morning, Parker Ford Church, friends and family. My name is TJ Martin, church pastor here at Parker Ford. Whether you're a member at Parker Ford or just joining us online today, we're so glad to have you with us for our Sunday morning worship service. We are continuing our series on costly faith today, and today we're doing part two of Faith When It's Dark. We've been talking about faith um, and working towards a definition of faith that's beyond just a cognitive understanding or a cognitive belief in God, though that's certainly included in what faith is, but we've been seeking to broaden out our definition of what faith is. And so for several weeks, we've been building a working definition towards what the scriptures teach us is faith. And the working definition that we've arrived at is that faith is a trusting belief in the faithfulness of God founded upon a steadfast and loyal allegiance to the Messiah and to our King. And so we're going to continue that theme this morning and specifically looking at when it's dark, when it's spiritually dark or physically dark, when we're going through a dark night of the soul type experience, continuing to be a person or a people of faith who have that allegiance, that trusting belief, that trusting allegiance to our King and our Messiah. Throughout this morning's service, we want to invite you to engage the content. So there's going to be opportunities for you to pause the video and have a discussion with those you're with. Or if you're alone, just to spend some personal time journaling or in prayer and reflection around the content, the scriptures, and the questions. Your clue for when to get ready to pause the video and have one of these periods of reflection is when you see the floral print on the slide. That's time. That means it's time to get ready to pause the video and just spend some time in reflection. We've been working on a memory verse over the last several weeks, Hebrews 11.6, which is a famous verse about faith. And so we want to continue doing that today. I hope by the end of uh, next week's service that we'll have this verse uh, memorized together as a church family. And so this is your first chance to pause the video and just spend a few minutes uh, reading this out loud and then practicing this verse from memory, Hebrews 11.6. After you've done that, you can join us as we continue our service. For the call to worship this morning, I'll be reading from 1 Peter chapter 1, and I want to invite you to read this scripture with me. It's a beautiful passage about faith, faith in Christ, and what it's like to be, what it's meant to be as a person of faith. So would you stand up if you're physically able? I want to invite you to stand up, and you can read this scripture out loud with me from 1 Peter 1. 1 Peter 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully 
inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you, in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preached the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You can be seated. Before continuing on to the teaching portion of today's service, I want to invite you to pause the video and have a discussion with those you're with or just some personal reflection around the following questions. What does it mean to put your allegiance, and think about that word, think about the connotations that that brings to mind. What does it mean to put your allegiance in Jesus? And what does it mean to have allegiance in him above all things? And finally, what does faith or allegiance look like in Jesus's life? So when you think about gospel stories and you think about the life of Christ, what did faith look like in his life or allegiance to his father look like in his life? Go ahead and pause the video and have a discussion and then you can join us for this morning's sermon. In today's message, we're continuing our series on costly faith. Today will be part two of Faith When It's Dark. We're going to be looking at the story of Christ on the cross when the whole land of Israel goes pitch black as he's on the cross and be continuing this, this uh, defining conversation about what it means to be a people of faith. Before we get into the word today, I want to invite us to pray and ask the Lord to speak through his word and ask the Holy Spirit to continue to shape us and teach us to be a people of faith. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we thank you for your example. You're the author and perfecter of our faith. We thank you that you have gone before us and shown us how to live a life that's truly and fully human truly and fully in obedience and submission to the Father and filled with life and life abundant. Father, through your word as we engage your scriptures today, we pray that you would shape us and teach us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So last week what we did was we looked at the story of Israel coming out of Egypt, coming out of, uh, out of the 400 years of slavery. And one of the plagues that God put on the land was this intense darkness that could be felt in Exodus chapter 10. Now, the people of Israel didn't experience that darkness, but what the people, where it was, was the surrounding land of Egypt. And it's sort of God subverting and turning Egypt's power on its head because Egypt had held down Israel in captivity, had held them in a period of bondage for generations that was quite spiritually and physically dark for the people who lived through it. And here, God is showing that he is the one who has all power and authority, and he turns the whole thing on its head so that Egypt experiences this profound darkness. And God says, I'm the one who has ultimate authority to blot out even the light of the sun while I let it shine on my own people. And what we talked about was um, what it was like to be Israel, learning to have allegiance and faith in God. And that's what this series has been all about for us, redefining and re-understanding what it means to be a people of faith. If you've been tracking with us over the last couple weeks, you know that we've been 
looking at faith as more than just a cognitive belief in God. This word pistis in Greek means so much more than that. It means trust. It means faithfulness. It means reliability. It means loyalty. It means belief. And it means a heartfelt trust and allegiance in God and Lord. Um, Christ Jesus. And so a working definition that we're, we're kind of building this series off of is that faith is a trusting belief in the faithfulness of God founded upon a steadfast and loyal allegiance to the, to the Messiah, Jesus. And so each week we're taking a story from the Old Testament and the New Testament and looking what it was like to have faith in that circumstance. Because faith is more than just passive, it's also active. There is an element of faith that's all about receiving the grace and the goodness and the love of God that we can't earn and that we can't work for. And yet faith is also something that we walk out because it's about our allegiance. It's about choosing to follow him no matter what, even when we're facing persecution or ridicule or even when everything in life is going wrong, when, when we're in a period of intense physical or spiritual darkness, we're still called to be a people who are putting our loyalty, our allegiance in God. It's one thing to have faith when everything goes well. It's another thing when it costs us much. And it cost Jesus everything. It cost Jesus everything. Before we get into the passage uh, later in Matthew, the crucifixion story, I wanted to read this from Matthew chapter 4 four because I think it fits our theme for last week and this week so well. This is right at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. He's just been baptized and he goes into the uh, temptation story. And then it says, right when he begins his public ministry, in verse 12 of chapter 4, it says, Now when he heard that John had been arrested, that's Jesus, he withdrew into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea, in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people dwelling in darkness, have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region in the shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Then he calls the first disciples, and then he, be, he initiates his kingdom ministry with the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5. Now, skipping ahead to the end of Matthew, in chapter 27, near the end of of Matthew. This is picking up in the crucifixion story. He's already been betrayed. He's lived out his his full public ministry. He's been betrayed by Judas. He's been arrested. And now he's before Pilate. Let's look at this imagery of darkness and light and faith when it comes to the story of Jesus on the cross. In verse 24 of Matthew 27, it says, So when Pilate saw that he was gaining nothing, but rather that a riot was beginning, he took water and washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. And all the people answered, His blood be on us and on our children. Then he realized for the, then he released for them Barabbas, and having scourged Jesus, delivered him to be crucified. Then the soldiers and the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters and they gathered the whole battalion before him and they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him and twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and put a reed in his right hand and kneeling before him, they mocked him saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they spit on him and took the reed and struck him on the head and when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the robe and put his own clothes on him and led him away to crucify him. And they went out 
As they went out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. They compelled this man to carry the cross. And when they came to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull, they offered him wine to drink mixed with gall. But when he tasted it, he would not drink it. And when they had crucified him, they divided his garments among them by casting lots. Then they sat down and kept watch over him there. And over his head, they put the charge against him, which read, This is Jesus, the king of the Jews. Then two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and one on the left. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the son of God, come down from the cross. So also the chief priests with the scribes and elders mocked him, saying, He saved others he cannot save himself. He is the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now, if he desires him. For he said, I am the son of God. And the robbers who were crucified with him also reviled him in the same way. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, This man is calling Elijah. And one of them at once ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine, and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. Think about the imagery here as Jesus is crucified. There's some just unbelievably deep imagery. Now, this is the Passover. Jesus has just celebrated the Passover. It's the pilgrimage time where Israel comes and remembers that they have been delivered, their ancestors were delivered out of bondage to slavery in Egypt and were brought into freedom into the promised land. And this imagery of slavery in Egypt has been a metaphor throughout Israel's history on into church history. Um, It's a metaphor of sin. And so it's not just that God was rescuing his people out of physical bondage. He was also rescuing them out of demonic bondage, out uh, out of slavery, not just to a physical presence, but to a spiritual domination, whether to the flesh or to an outward uh, dominion. And so there's a freedom that comes with Passover, a forgiveness of sins. Now, the imagery of Passover is God had his people take a lamb and they butchered the lamb and they took the blood and they put it on the doorsteps and the angel of death passed by them where the, the blood of the lamb was on their, um, on their door friends. Here, Jesus, the lamb of God, on Passover, is being crucified, his blood spilled to rescue his people out of slavery, out of darkness, into freedom, not just physical bondage, but into relational and spiritual freedom. The imagery here is so profound. The last of the plagues is the death of the firstborn sons of Egypt. The plague before that was the utter and total darkness that we looked at in Exodus chapter 10 last week, where the entire land became dark. Jesus, the Passover land, during the Passover lamb, during the Passover celebration, is being crucified. And once again, in the middle of the day, there is complete darkness. In verse 45 of, 20, of, of chapter 27 of Matthew, it says, Now from the sixth hour, there was a darkness over all the land until 
the ninth hour. This imagery is not accidental. This imagery is intentional by the Spirit of God to remind us of God rescuing his people out of the darkness of Egypt. And he's doing the same thing, but something so much more profound through his son. In verse 49, it goes on to say, But the others said, Wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And the earth shook and rocks were split. The tombs also were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. When the centurion and those who were with him keeping watch over Jesus saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, truly, this was the Son of God. Jesus, at the beginning of his ministry in Matthew chapter 4, which we read a few minutes ago, he quotes from Isaiah. Another famous passage in Isaiah plays on this imagery of God breaking into the darkness with his light and light shining forth. And this is, this is the whole story of Jesus Christ, that he is the light of the world. He stood up at, during one of the festivals in the book of John. Jesus stands up and says, I am the light of the world. And he calls people to the light. To Nicodemus, he says in John chapter 3, men love the darkness because their thoughts and their actions are evil and they hide from the light. This imagery of light just shows up over and over again in the book of John and really throughout the Gospels. Later in Isaiah, in chapter 60, in one of the famous passages, it's playing on this imagery. It says, arise, shine. God's speaking to his people. Arise, shine, for your light has come. And Paul quotes this later in one of the epistles. He says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. And nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Think about this passage and what we just read in Matthew and the imagery of the land going completely dark as the Son of God is crucified, as the Lamb of God, the perfect Passover Lamb, is crucified. But then what happens? We know the story. A few days later, Jesus rises from the dead, and the light of the Messiah begins to shine on his disciples and on his followers in a whole new way. And then they carry that light with them and it spreads and it spreads and it spreads down across the earth and through generations and it's arrived to us today through the story of Jesus breaking through the darkness and shining upon us. The theme of this morning is what does it mean to be a person of faith in a time of darkness? Remember, faith is not just belief that there is a God or belief that Jesus was his son. As As James says, even the demons believe that Jesus was the Son of God. It's not, that's not actually the fullness of what God is calling us to, though it's a part of it. Yes, we are to be a people who have a cognitive belief that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, but faith is also, when it's completely dark, we're putting our allegiance in God, putting our allegiance in our one true risen King, Jesus, and trusting in his light that breaks through the darkness. What was it like for Jesus to have faith as the land went completely dark. 
What was it like for Jesus to have his allegiance and his trust in his father as the weight of sin was poured out upon him on the cross? What was it like for Jesus to continue to have faith and allegiance in God even as he quoted from Psalm 22 and cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What was it like for Jesus to have faith and allegiance in his father when it goes pitch black and for three hours he's just hanging there when everyone has abandoned him. He's alone, and it feels like God himself has abandoned his son. And yet Jesus continued to drink the cup down to the bottom. He accomplished the will of God. He continued to have faith and allegiance. We're going to close our our sermon with a benediction from Hebrews 12, where it says that Jesus is the author and the perfecter of our faith, who despised the shame of the cross and endured the cross for our sake. That is such a helpful reminder for the faith, the hope, the trust, the pistis of Jesus in his Father that he invites us to then have in him. And so as we wrap up today's teaching, before we transition to the end of today's service, I want to invite you to reflect on the following questions. How does the faith of Jesus build your faith? How does Jesus' trust in his Father in the midst of deep darkness encourage you to be a person of faith? And how might the Lord use you to shine his light in the coming week? I'm going to pray and ask the Lord to seal this word in our hearts and minds and to cause us to be a people who walk in faith with him. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you for the perfect example of your son, Jesus. We pray that we would be a people of faith who trust in you, who hope in you, and who walk with you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The way I have this series lined up as we walk through this costly costly faith series is that one week we're looking at an Old Testament passage and then the next week we're looking at a New Testament passage and they'll both be on the same theme um, each of those uh, two times. So last week we looked at Israel um, in the Exodus story in the period of darkness and faith when it was dark uh, during the Exodus period. And then we today, of course, we looked at Jesus on the cross when, when everything went pitch black and what it was like for Jesus to continue to have allegiance and faith towards his Father, towards God, in a period of absolute intense darkness. And so um, what I want to do again as we close our services is encourage you to remember that faith is more than just passive. It's more than just being a recipient, although that's certainly the case. Um, God's grace and mercy flow without us doing anything other than receiving it. But faith has a component to it that is very active when we continue to choose to put our trust and our allegiance and our hope in him, even in periods of darkness, even in periods of suffering and pain. And so this week, um, a similar challenge to last week, I want you to think about your own life and how can you take uh, the story of Christ and the faith that is exemplified and shown most perfectly through his life and you as a disciple or as someone who's seeking to be more like Christ, or maybe you're just curious about Jesus and want to learn more about him, but how can you take this principle of, of Jesus and what he revealed to us about the nature of faith and bring it into your own life and your own circumstances? For our benediction, we're going to read again Hebrews 12, which we've read the last several weeks as our benediction. And here in this passage, it describes Jesus as the author and perfecter of our faith. 
In other words, the faith that God would have us walk out, that the Holy Spirit is seeking us to to walk, we're walking in the footsteps of someone who's gone before us. Our faith is not in nothing. Our faith is built upon the foundation that was already laid by the life, death, resurrection, teaching, miracles, example of Jesus Christ. He is the author and perfecter of our faith. And so for the benediction this morning, I invite you to open your hands uh, to receive God's word and blessing. Hebrews chapter 12, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen. I hope that you have a wonderful day. Go with God. Be blessed.